Hello, everyone out there in podcast world. Hope you're having a wonderful day. You're listening to or watching the Service Business Mastery Podcast. I'm your host, Church Blissett, and sitting virtually next to me is my co-host, Joshua Crouch. And uh, today's guest, we have Josh Fonger. And Manter, uh, she got it. <laughs> I, I always struggle with names. If you listen to the show, that's kind of my thing. Is I, I, I can make the easiest name the most difficult ones. But uh, we're super excited to have Josh on the show today. I'm going to do my best to not say Josh, Josh one, Josh two, like it's because it, I've already started that confusion in my head, but we're going to talk about productivity, personal productivity a little bit, and also how to work, how to get out of your own headspace to, so you can work on your business instead of in your business. And something that we, I struggle with putting out fires. A, a lot of times I find that people who come into our industry, who are like accountants and stuff like that, it's, it's a little bit easier for them, in my opinion, because they don't know the technical aspect of the things that we're doing. So when someone says, hey, what's going on? Like, how do I test this capacitor or whatever? How do I find this leak in this refrigerant line? They don't have any idea. So they can't, they can't help put out that fire. But I could, I could definitely see other challenges that they would definitely could fall into, even, even if they weren't technically like same as everybody else. I mean, Josh, you, you actually... You're, you're not technical, but you were a service manager for a hot minute or. Yeah, I had a lot of titles I, <laughs> and, and honestly, the titles didn't even really match what I was doing. <laughs> so and I've done a little bit of everything. I've done everything except be the technician. Yeah. And it, it does. It does. I think it actually makes that relationship sometimes with the field personnel a little easier because I am not telling them what to do because I don't know how to do it. But what I'm doing is, hey, what do you think about this? Or I'm, I'm offering ideas and suggestions of the, at least how my mind is working. And it, it's a little different perspective because I think what happens is people like yourself, Tersh, who've been service manager, operation. I mean, you, you've done all that stuff in the field. You still go in a truck once in a while. Yeah. You want to jump in. You, you're like, well, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. But that might not be their process. Mm-hmm. And you start kind of over... You, you you jump right into it and you want to start diagnosing the system and did you, did you check this? Did you check this? Did you check this? Instead of having them figure it out for themselves, which of course now you're distracted and you're taken away from running your business, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm sure at times you feel that way. <laughs> so oh, yeah, a lot of times, especially whenever I see a problem, like instead of delegating and having someone fix it, fix it like on their own and bringing it back to me. Sometimes I'm like, all right, it's just easier for me just to get this knocked out myself. So. Yeah, that's why we have Josh on the on the show okay. today. Absolutely, I'm excited to get started <laughs> with this. <laughs> Are you looking for valuable business advice to reach that seven figure revenue mark? Do you want actionable tips to properly navigate through every business challenge you encounter along the way? Let Tersh Blissett and Josh Crouch be your guide in getting you to the top here at Service Business Mastery. Tune in as they sit down with world-renowned authors in business, leadership, and personal growth who share valuable insights about management, marketing, pricing, human resources, and so much more. Let their nuggets of wisdom gold guide you in owning a thriving, profitable, and ever-growing business. Here are your hosts, Tersh and Josh. Hey Josh, how are you? Welcome to the show. Welcome. Great, thanks, guys. 
So tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do. And I know it's bright and early where you are. We're, I'm on the East Coast and you're in Hawaii. So Josh woke up extra early for us. This yeah. morning. It's like it's like 3.30 <laughs> or something over there. I love you guys that much. Yep, I know. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself, your background and, and what you have going on. Sure. Yeah. So this is the book for all that's watching the video. And this is uh, what I do is business coaching and consulting based on the book work, the system wasn't always that way. Long story short is that I was in real estate development and 2008, 2009 happened mm. and needed to make, I needed to uh, find something else to do. I couldn't, I couldn't <laughs> do my career in, the, in that anymore. And so I ended up becoming a business consultant, uh, which was actually the, the last thing that I wanted to do. I wrote my uh, MBA thesis about why you should not hire a business consultant, why they're waste of money, why it was, you know, not a very valuable job. I had a kind of a bad taste in my mouth about them because both, both my dad and my father-in-law really didn't like them. They had bad experiences with business consultants. And so at that point, no one was hired. I think that's kind of God's, God's humor to kind of get me in a yeah. career path that I already didn't really want to do, but I could not uh -huh. find a job. I applied for jobs everywhere in real estate and it was like a 50% to 80% pay cut. And I had a family at the time, so it wasn't going to really happen. And so then I started consulting and I really just fell in love with it, really enjoyed the clients, really enjoyed problem solving, really enjoyed fixing businesses. And I was running myself ragged, flying from company to company to company around the country. And uh, I worked primarily with flooring store owners time, and this was in my mid twenties. And I would fly them and help them with their sales. And I'd fly somewhere else and help them with their leadership and fly somewhere else and build out merchandising dashboards or pricing. I don't think Zoom existed back then. Well, you know what? We started one of the first masterminds. We didn't even know it, but it was basically, we called it a benchmarking group. And these flooring store owners who had like, you know, the worst internet and we couldn't see. And it was, and that was you know, 12 <laughs> years ago. It was, it was terrible. It was WebEx. We used WebEx back then. Oh, oh yeah. I remember WebEx. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, I, I, I got to the point where I was never home and there was no way to scale. And I had to kind of become an expert in, in everything. And I met Sam Carpenter, author of the book, Work the System, and up in, up in Bend, Oregon. And we hit it off, became friends. And I, I did some jobs for him because his book was really taking off. The book's in the fourth edition now. And you see, church you has see got like a library. Behind. Yeah. You got, you got the old version. Okay. Very I good. I do. Yeah. <laughs> They sent it to time, me. Uh, time for the upgraded time. version. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so it's, and there's, there's a whole story behind that, you know, Sam's first edition and just, he's always trying to continuously improve himself, his book, everything he does. That's kind of his, his methodologies is written in the book there. And he's done it in his book in terms of always improving it, but um, hit it off. And then I realized actually, if you get to the, the fundamentals, the essentials, the foundations of business, then you can fix all those sales and all those marketing and all those IT problems by going what Sam calls a layer deeper. And so once I learned that, then my consulting became way easier. And the problems I solved weren't tactical. They were more foundational and they, they actually stuck. So when I used to do consulting, I would fix a company and the problem would come back six months oh, yeah. later. Absolutely. And this was, you're going to fix it once for good by doing you know a bottom-up strategy, which means that the team is going to help create the documented system. Therefore, they're going to maintain it. They're going to actually follow it. They're going to actually believe in it. And you know, the great thing about systems is that people might come and go in your business, but the systems stay. And I didn't really realize the volatility of people coming and going in business until I, you know, been around a while. And then I realized that you actually do need to build these systems because you know that key person. You know, they're just yep. one life event from not being there anymore. And if your company is always based on you know these great people, well you're not, you're, you're kind of have this really unstable business. And that's, 
that's what most small companies have. So let me that's, ask you a question about that really fast. You, you mentioned a very great point, and we literally just released an episode with Danielle Putnam and Rosalind. With, Ros- Rosalind. And I said that like 15 times yesterday. I listened Kate's to- in point, was, Josh. That's why- yeah. We should not even have him do intros anymore. Right, you can't, exactly. you can't get anyone's name right. <laughs> but anyways, we literally just were talking about hiring and having those very powerful individuals. And it goes to a great point where we're talking about creating processes and procedures so that when that key employee leaves, the whole company doesn't crumble. And And I've experienced that personally. So explain, kind of share how we do that. And, and how do we know if we have that one person right now that we need to be careful about. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you have, well, if you have someone on your team who is just amazing at yeah. everything, then you do, right? Yeah. So <laughs> if they do a little bit of sales, they do a little bit of IT and they can also fix this. And so kind of the, the longer someone's with you and the more diversified their role is, the, the bigger problem you have on your hand. And, but you can start to correct it, right? So by doing that is by getting, kind of getting them into expert compartments, compartments. So if they do admin, IT, sales, they also do some customer service, then you want to start to segment the different roles they have and start to, uh, as your company grows, ideally, then you're going to be bringing on helpers for them. Mm-hmm. And you might segment off the customer service or, or the, the financial, you know, accounts receivable, accounts so, payable. And, and then you, you're making expert compartments. So what do you do about the individual who, what I call it, I, I tell people to stay in their lane. You know, you, you, you were... Like when we were a small company, you had to wear multiple hats because you, you know, we only had, you know, two people in the office, three people in the office. And then as we, we grow and then we have, you know, five or six people, that person's like, oh, well, I know how to do this from back in the day when I did it. And so then they kind of just jump over and, and take control. And then there becomes animosity and like, like that person won't let me do my job, blah, blah, blah. How do you, how do you stop that? I mean, how it, how does it work for you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's natural, right? People want to do what they're good at, and they're good at doing the stuff they used to do, mm-hmm. right? So, if my son is do, putting the dishes away, I can yeah. probably do the dishes a little bit better and a little faster. <laughs> but you know, I I I have set my sights higher or my vision higher, and therefore to do that task better and faster is going to prevent me from doing something actually better for the, the family in this case. And that's why putting the the infrastructure into place and putting in the right, we call it a strategic objective, putting the right general operating principles in place, these kind of foundational things that small companies often don't do is what raises and grows the leaders within your business so that they actually, they're okay letting go of the thing that they used to do. Maybe they used to package up boxes of whatever. Well, you know, they can do that, but now that they see the vision of the business, they know where it's going. That's mm. going to be more exciting. That's going to be more interesting. And they know that the company has direction as opposed to them just having their, their job where they stay there for the next 20 years. Because most people do want to grow and they do want to improve and they do like learning new things. And so, but if the, if the leader doesn't tell them we're actually getting somewhere, the leader doesn't tell them, you know, those particular do- things through documentation, then they just, they just stay put. And uh, it's, it's important to, so I got, a, I got a question for you, Josh, and this is super relevant to our business right now. We actually have at noon, our time, we have a meeting today about our internal processes because we're building them in ClickUp. 
which is a project management tool. Sure. However, I struggle with this because I'm like an 80% guy. I'm like, get 80% of the way there and then I'm on to like something else. I struggle with that last like 15 to 20%. And like, I know it's important to finalize the process, right? Because it, well, I shouldn't say finalize, to get it to the point where it is a finished product for now until we tweak it later. But how do, how do you, I guess, how do you get to that point? Because literally I, I've told my wife this, I'm like, all right, I'm 80% of the way there. I'm done. I'm moving on mm -hmm. to something else. Mm -hmm. and, and I, and I know, I think Tersh is the same way. Like we get to a certain point and then we, instead of spending too much time on that last 20%, which is the really tedious stuff, yeah. we want to move on to something else, but it's not really a finished process yet. It's kind of like, it's close, but not done. Let me add something to to what Josh is saying too, as a, as a playing devil's advocate to what Josh is saying. If I create the processes and procedures down to every single last step, if I do a hundred percent like perfectionist, does that take away from the ability for that person to express themselves within their work? Because like I, I use it. Sure. I use it as a cop out and I use this as an excuse whenever it does happen and it fails. I, I like to do it 80% so that I give you 20% leeway to finish it the rest of the way. <laughs> so with, with both of us saying what we've said, what's your, what's your response to that? These are, these are kind of common objections to actually document your procedures and, and they both have some, some truth to them, right? So. And owner and entrepreneur's uh, skill sets are, typically are not in the details. And therefore, that's not their best use of time to actually get that last 20% done. It's to, you know, cast vision principles. Hey, this is how we do it, you know, verbally you know, going through it or we're just kind of presenting it. And then it's a, it's for the people beneath them who typically have different skill sets and they're going to be doing it 20 times a day, whereas you don't do it 20 times a day. And so they're going to get that level of detail level of speed, level of quality. And so that's why we're big on them, how to easily document their processes, whether it's with, uh, with video or screen capture or actually writing it down or photographs. So they actually do get to the details, but no, that's it's typically not the owner's job to do that. They might do spot checks. They might check in the, the analytics later on or the measurements to see how fast something's going or the quality, but they're not going to get to that level unless they're the ones doing the task right now. And they're going to be the best ones to, to share that kind of detail. So I think that's the first thing is don't feel like you, like I need to systemize my business. Okay. Now me as the <laughs> owner have to actually write all this stuff down. You're not going to yeah. do that. That's why oftentimes it won't get done if I have to do it. No. And, and the creativity part, you know, you don't, there can be steps along the way where you just say now, you know, assess the situation and make a judgment call. So you can put those steps within the process. You don't have to detail every single step. If for one, the person who's doing the task has experience or a certain level of common sense. If they have those <laughs> things built in, you don't need Where's to write the steps. Now, now there's two, two extreme examples of this. One, one is Sam Carpenter's business. He has a really strong vetting process for everyone he hires, uh, lots of tests ahead of time, and they take an IQ test. So he already knows everyone is above the 50 percentile in terms of ability to reason, problem solve, think quickly already. And he drug tests everyone regularly, randomly. So like everyone's going to be there sharp and everyone's going to be able to think, you know, with common sense. Therefore, he writes his processes 
with that in mind, you know, years ago, I had this company that did this uh, hydroponics fertilizer company, and they were quite, quite large. Now, as you can imagine, in that industry, a lot of people would use those hydroponics fertilizers to grow certain kinds of products that they would then smoke, yeah. right? right? And so I, I was trying to figure out why you're writing your procedures with so much detail and, you know, if this, then that, and if this, then mm -hmm. that. And, and it was because the, the, the mental capacity of a lot of people in the team was not very strong. And so <laughs> they have they memory loss issues. You I like yeah. how you've worded that. Yeah. Man, so you tiptoed around that one good. It's a great, uh, yeah. Well, anyways, we'll go to that. But basically, the, and, and I said, you know, you could solve all these problems. Well, actually, I didn't say this. Sam did. He said, you said drug testing, you could, you would save, you know, so much time, so much money. And they're like, then well, you would we'll create just, another issue because you yeah, have we'll to just, hire people. <laughs> yeah, we'll just do it a different way. So, uh, but you have to, you have to write procedures for the team you're, you have right now That's and the point. team you're going to have, right? So we call it to go off the street. So if I, you know, if I have this process for somebody right now and they leave tomorrow and I have to hire someone off the street to fill that role, is this good, procedure going to be good enough? And an off the street marketing manager with 10 years experience is different than an off the street, I don't know, the installer, let's just say an HVAC installer who's yeah. 18 and doesn't know anything, but we're going to bring him on as a helper. Well, the level of detail you need for that procedure is probably very extreme because they're, they have no experience. Yeah, so. that, that's an amazing point because in our industry, a lot of times the service manager is a service technician that got promoted to become a service manager. They're two completely different skill levels. The roles are completely different. I came in as, okay, so open book. I came in from a service tech to a service manager. I was grossly underqualified for the position and I, I winged it until I figured it out. And I had, I had a coaching organization that, that I could, I could rely on to help me because I didn't have the experience. And I see people ask a lot in like Facebook groups and stuff like, Hey, I'm becoming, I, I got promoted to be a service manager from a service tech. How much of a pay raise should I get? I'm like, you shouldn't get pay raise at all. You should get pay cut. I mean, you're doing a job that you have no clue how to do. And if they don't have proper policies and procedures, it's going to take you two, three, four years to figure out the problem, the, the processes. So to have the off the street processes built is amazing because then that technician could come in. He has great rapport with the other technicians. He can, he, he probably hopefully has management skills. He's managed the other technicians as a field service manager or something that, like that. And then the off the street processes just kind of fill in the gaps there. Is that, is that correct in what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, okay. every role has its nuance. Every, every company has its different ways of doing things. And the more you can get out of people's heads into paper, the more fluid, the less friction, the more interchanging roles. If someone's sick, if someone has to cover for, so, for someone else, it's all those little things that end up destroying small companies and, and causing problems. How, so how do you deal with the person who's like, I'm not writing down my processes because I don't want to be repeated. Yeah, well, you have to do it. <laughs> and then it's happened. I've had that happen. And they're usually valuable people that, you know, if they're gone, the company's in trouble. But yeah, um, exactly. There's probably some underlying issues there if they don't want to, if they're worried about, like those people that are super protective, like, no, you can't see this or that. I'm going to, I'm going to, like this document, I'm going to password protect and you can't see. Like, there's a reason they're, they're worried about their job. <laughs> At least in my opinion, there is. 
Uh, yeah, there's there's usually some skeletons in the closet, or they're stealing money or something, and yeah, they don't. Uh, yeah, they don't want anyone to know what's going <laughs> stealing on. Stealing money went straight to that one. I've seen, I've seen, <laughs> I've seen it all. I mean, I've seen all sorts of situations over the years. But the, the um, what what you want to do in a very practical way, and there's no like you know this is the silver bullet. It depends on your leadership style. It depends on how much cash you have in the bank to kind of solve the issue if they just leave abruptly. But you want to do a company wide transformation. So. Hey, as a company wide, you know, we realize that this, you know, this world in our business is based on systems. As a company, we're going to start going in this direction strategically. And the more definitively and continuously, you know, with backbone, you go in a certain direction, then people will follow. But they always test you. They always test you to see if you're going to really follow through with it. And then if your principles, your culture start leading you this direction, then naturally the whole company is going to start getting more organized, more systematic, more efficient, which might be totally different than the way you did it before. Mm -hmm. But Everyone, your team does want things to go smoother. They do want pay raises. They do want to work for a growing company. They do want more profitability for the company so they can, again, to get a vacation, get better, you know, get some more support, grow their team, grow their responsibilities. And so they're going to be for it. But like you said, some people are going to say, like, no, I just like it the old way. I like doing my own thing. And so ideally, they eventually buy in. And that's, that's my job a lot of times to help them buy in. But if they don't buy in, then they, two things, you can either let them go, which is the, the best thing. And maybe you can, if you've got 20 employees or 30, that's easy. If you have three employees and maybe it's harder because you mm -hmm. really need this person. And so what you end up doing is their big circle of responsibility and control. You try to slowly shrink that. So you, you quarantine them and then you're slowly shrinking what they have control over by saying, you know, having someone shadow part of what they do, have somebody, you know, take over some of the tasks that they're currently doing, having someone else come in and have overlapping some of the work. And so eventually their sphere of influence is and your risk gets mitigated. And you, you can do that by saying, okay, they have, you know, they wear four hats. Well, move them down to one hat and say, okay, you're just going to do outside sales now. Because mm -hmm. outside sales is a very fluid and oftentimes they don't want to document the procedures. Well, if you've reduced their role to just outside sales instead of also you're doing emergency installs and you're buying products, you're also doing deliveries and you're also doing this and that. Well, now they just have one singular role. And if they leave, yeah, that's gonna be a problem. But then you can bring in someone else who just has outside sales experience for plumbing companies. And then you can, you know, more easily replace them. But it's a process, right? And each, each company has its own dynamics and there could be family so, and friends situations yeah. involved as well. Josh, I got a question for you. So and, and this is just through talking to a lot of different business owners in, in the trades, is that most of the business owners that have an HVAC, plumbing, electrical, garage door company, they came from being a technician, most of them. Mm -hmm. yeah. So processes is like a foreign concept. It's mm -hmm. something that's like, they know what they do every day, but they don't they have no wish <laughs> to write it down because that's mm -hmm. just not their the way their brains are wired. How would you go about you know, a lot of these people just having them start out and start having what what kind of tips would you give them to start having this conversation with their team and just start approaching this? Because I think a lot of people probably don't even know where to start. Yeah, I think that what I want people to think is, is our, our book, our methodology is for people who are playing long game and they want to actually not have a job, but they want to have a business. If that's not for you, then then don't bother. Just kind of do your, your thing, right? Keep it a job, you know, keep all your supplies in your truck and keep it super small if, if that's what you really want to do. But if the goal is to actually 
take a vacation sometime. The goal is actually to, you know, retire sometime. The goal is to, you know, to not, to not get 375 phone calls a day. It, it, exactly. Yeah. So if that's, if that's your long-term vision, then it's going to take, it's going to take a shift. So first thing is don't expect a quick, easy, instantaneous solution. And that'd be my, my first thing. And if you don't have that, you know, we, we say we only work with mature business owners, people who actually, you know, that they're kind of past the beginner phase and they're ready to actually make a business out of what they do. That's, that's the first thing is, are you ready for that? And then I know it, it seems like something that some, you know, these people might not want to do, but I would say, you know, get this book. It's an audio form. It's in Kindle. Listen to it. We have a lot of clients who HVAC repair companies, plumbers. We just worked with a really large plumber opening up a new location just a few weeks ago. So, so personally work with audio, video engineers who do custom homes, also ones who do you know, TI constructions, electricians, you name it. It's a very common thing. Like, like you mentioned, they're just, they're not into it. They're, they're used to doing installs. And let me kind of break it down now. So in terms of tactically, what I would do after you've got the book and you understand what you're, you're going to do long-term is think of what you're doing on a daily basis, you as the owner, that someone else on your team could be doing if you just would take the time to get it down into a system. And I would uh, do whatever you can to make that happen. Whether that's someone shadows you, and writes down how you do it, or you audio record how you do it, or you video record how you do it, however that might be, so you can translate that knowledge to someone else. And then, do you have any favorite, walk away from it? favorite technology tips that you have people use, like favorite different softwares or something that you have people use, or you just have like download free apps uh, on your phone type of thing? Yeah, most people, most people use Loom. You know, I use Camtasia, but most people use Loom, which, which works great, you know, or just any video device. I mean, your phones work great. I mean, I had a, a fence a fence install and repair company, they would do security fences and they would just take photos. You know, this is what a, a hole should look like. This is what the concrete should look like. This is what, you know, and they would just take photos along the way. And, it's crazy. Um, like we chuckle at things like that, but whenever, like I have a green guy that's on our team and there are things that I say that I know in my mind what that looks like, but he comes back to me with something completely different. And I'm like, the hell did you get that? <laughs> idea from like that's the craziest and he's like well you told me to dig a hole you didn't say it needed to be three foot you know deep and you know one foot around you just said dig a hole so i dug a eight foot wide hole that's six inches deep I'm like all right touche you know i got it i understand <laughs> yeah picture can there's like a thousand words so yeah i think pictures are, are great videos can be great think about the your audience right if your audience is not going to read a detailed, you know, 10 page process with all the different, you know, documents along the way, then break it up into really, really small things. Say, you know, let's just, we're using the whole example, you know, like picking out where to do the hole, you have a few photos, like not near an electrical line, not in a drainage <laughs> ditch, you know, yeah. not near the road. And so there's this, there's the first process, you know, it's four pictures. Good. What's the next process now, you know, pick your shovel. Here's the three shovels. Here's how we pick it. You know, that's fine, if, especially if they're going to be doing the same thing again and again and again. What what scares owners is they think, well, I'm going to have like 300 procedures. Yeah. Uh, you might or someday. 3,000 procedures. <laughs> <laughs> you might someday, but the, but what you're going to end up doing is, you know, the 80-20 principle is that, you know, 20% of your procedures are going to get get 80% of the work done. And those are going to be the ones you really refine and refine and refine. The other ones are going to be more a reference. They're going to be for new people for onboarding. They're going to be for double checks. They're going to be for emergencies. So the 20% are going to be really the ones that people focus in on. And also, each person on your team doesn't have to be aware of all of them. The, the whole digger guy, he probably needs to be aware of 
15 different procedures, right? And once he learns those and does them, he's not going to be looking at them every day. But back to the innovation point earlier that you you mentioned, Church, is that he's going to be in charge of his role and his processes. And one of the key principles we have is that if you can, so the procedure is supposed to document the absolute best way to do something. And it can be changed and innovated by anybody in the company at any time if they can come up with a better way to do it. So higher quality, faster, better customer support, uses less waste, whatever it might be. Now, there might be a protocol where the manager has to approve the better way, but everyone's all ears. We're open to anyone's ideas. If you can do a better or faster way, then then innovate, make it better, mm-hmm. update the process, let us know what it is. And your job as the owner is to kind of foster that, you know, that kind of engagement. So it's, you're not just digging holes. It's you're going to dig the best, the fastest, the most amazing holes possible. Here's our current way. If you can find a better way, let us know. And if someone's like, well, yeah, I can dig the holes three times faster, then they get to be a part of that. And of course, those people move up the ranks, mm-hmm. helps your company be more profitable, and it makes more fun to work there. And you got to be careful not to, like that. to snuff out creativity or when people come to you and they're like, hey, I'd like to improve this process. Like for me, if I get, like if I've spent six weeks building this video and they're like, oh, that's crap. Here's a better way to do it. Like I take that personal, like you attacked my little baby that I built. So like for me, I know that's how I react. So I tell everybody, hey, if you have an issue with anything here, just tell me this way and I'll be happy to change it. But if they come to me and be like, oh, that's crap, then I'm be like, all right, well, you just do it a different way. Like I just, I, I just get into a confrontation. But yeah, I, I, I'd be very cautious of that on the opposite side. Like somebody comes to me and is like, wants to change things and I'm constantly telling them, no, that's stupid. Then they're just well, I think it fosters them. it fosters those conversations if you are open to it and you because if if you snap at somebody after they say, I think we can do this better, and you're like, Well, no, I built this process. This is my baby, I'm the boss. Mm-hmm. They won't they won't say anything in the future. And then all of a sudden now you got people that are recluse and they don't they're not opening up on what they think can improve the company, make it more profitable, make it more efficient. Just don't do that. i'm I'm kidding (laughs) yeah well no one comes into a company with the most perfect culture everyone comes in with baggage right everyone does their own things that set them off their own triggering life events and so what you want to do is develop a company general operating principles and it might be like hey in the rest of your life you might you know get angry really fast but here we're calm and we we pause before we say what we want to say. We think first, like that that could be a principle. I'm looking at one of our principles, which is, you know, best idea wins, which means that, hey, regardless of who made the idea, the best idea wins here. And so like that's that's already one of the rules of the business. We all know that. So therefore, we're not gonna be offended because we just know that's that's the culture here. Now it might not be the culture in your personal life, but in, when you're within these four walls, this is our culture. And so the leader, again, has to define what the culture is. Otherwise, everyone brings their own culture to the business. And mm-hmm. then you have kind of this, this hodgepodge. You know, this, exactly. It's a mess. <laughs> and so, and, and just, you can't assume, you can't assume people all come with the same background you do. They don't. And so you have to just tell them, hey, when you're here, this is how we operate. Mm-hmm. And people either conform or they, they end up leaving. And that, that's the hard part of, of managing people is that, Sometimes you have to make those tough choices where somebody just really is, you know, ruining the company by ruining the culture. And if you have your systems in place, then they're they're easy, they're easier to replace. 
Yeah, absolutely. Josh, we appreciate this. How can people learn more about you, get in contact with you and, and all that? Yeah, well, so uh, again, I, I'm always pushing this book. This is where it all begins. I would get, you know, get a copy of this book. If you don't like to read, then do the audio version. We have a summary of the book at wtsenterprises.com. So you can go there and you can get the summary. And of course, what I do, I do coaching, I do consulting, workshops, events to help small businesses get their systems in order. I right? get control of their business so they can make more, work less, and have freedom from their business. And so happy to help anyone who's interested at the WTSenterprises.com. Cool, Josh. We really appreciate all this. And we could go on talking for hours, obviously. This was great. Uh, we'll definitely have to follow up with you. But yeah, if anybody has any questions, reach out to Josh. His information is there. We'll also put it in the show notes for when this is, this is aired on the podcast catchers. And until we talk again next time, thank you so much for hanging out with us and in this episode of the Service Business Mastery Podcast. Until we talk again next time, be safe out there. See you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Service Business Mastery. Now that you are equipped with essential business advice from this impactful conversation, you are one step closer to becoming the successful owner of your dreams. If this episode has been helpful to your business journey, don't forget to subscribe to the show, leave a rating, and share it with other owners as well. Visit servicebusinessmastery.com to learn more.